The Texas wide receiver room just became even more explosive. Five-star receiver Ryan Wingo out of the St. Louis area became the latest commitment to your favorite football team. You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Longhorns the show Jonathan Davis your host today's episode of locked on Longhorns is brought to you by game time download the game time app create an account and use code locked on college for $20 off your first purchase now today's episode of locked on Longhorns we're discussing Ryan Wingo the latest commitment to your favorite football team five-star receiver out of St. Louis Missouri the keys to beating BYU tomorrow I give you five things we need to do to win at home in Malik Murphy's first start and it's been a while since we talked about the Texas basketball team but the season it's creeping up on us. We are less than two weeks away from the start of the regular season from seeing Rodney Terry and his squad take the court, hopefully in route to another Big 12 championship and an Elite Eight or further appearance in the NCAA tournament. All of that and more on today's episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Before I talk to my Texas fans, I have to talk to my Texas fans, right? The World Series starts tonight for the Rangers. And I know to all my Rangers fans, right, you know, my heart is already beaten out of my chest. There's some anxiety there. I know the last two times we went to the World Series in 2010 and 2011, we did not get the best results, right? But this team is on a mission. Uh, We've knocked out some juggernauts, including the defending champions on the way here. You have a manager who has won his last three World Series and has never lost a game seven. You have the best shortstop in the game hitting in the two hole uh, who won World Series MVP in our home ballpark. You have Adolis Garcia hitting cleanup who just broke the record for most RBIs in a series against those Houston Astros. One through nine in the lineup can beat you. The bullpen has been way better in the playoffs than they were in the regular season. And Jordan Montgomery and uh, Nate Evaldi are pitching like aces in the postseason thus far. So, um, you know, we have yet to have a a parade in the DFW area on behalf of the Rangers. Hopefully in two weeks that changes. I think they have everything they need to beat the Diamondbacks in the World Series. And just remember, it was always the Rangers, even when we thought it was. (laughs) Now we're talking about the Texas football team. And they picked up a huge commitment in Ryan Wingo the other day, one of the most explosive players in the country, regardless of position. And we know in Steve Sarkeesian's offense, it's going to be explosive if you have explosive talent. And Ryan Wingo is certainly that at the wide receiver position. 6'2", 215. I love his size already. Right, as a senior in high school, he probably has the frame to add uh, some more pounds to that and really be a big explosive receiver. And, you know, he's college ready already from a frame perspective before he even steps on campus. The 24th overall player in the country, the seventh overall receiver, according to the 24-7 sports composite. You have brought in Freddie DuBose and Parker Livingstone, two really good receivers. But you needed some of that elite talent at the position at the top of the class. You were in on Micah Hudson and Ryan Wingo. Felt like you needed to bring one of those into the 40 acres. And you certainly did that. So shout out to Steve Sarkeesian, Chris Jackson and whoever else was involved in closing this commitment. You now have the 13th overall class in the the country according to 24 7 sports but with wingo's commitment you are seventh in player average and i think that's uh, a better number to base your class off of right because there's going to be some schools ahead of you that have more players so they naturally have a higher aggregate score but are you bringing in the top players in the country seventh in player average tells me you are uh texas has three five stars committed at this point brandon baker um colin simmons and now ryan wingo i don't believe that kobe black is a five-star at this point but he is a five-star talent so you certainly want to bring him in as well and get into the top 10 in those recruiting rankings while staying in the top 10 in player average when we talk about ryan wingo being one of the 
uh, most explosive players in the country, especially at the wide receiver position. You know, this was a tough decision. It came down to Texas and Missouri, and it was a tough decision likely for two to three factors, right? One of the obvious factors is he is from Missouri. All right. And with Missouri being a program on the rise, you're always going to have an emotional attachment to home. Right. So you maybe, you know, feel some type of responsibility to stay home and put on for your home state. Right. But ultimately, he chose Texas. Like I said, both teams are really good football programs right now, currently sitting at seven and one. Uh, Texas is ranked seventh in the country. Missouri is ranked 16th in the country. And I believe both have a bright future. Now we can sit here and, and, you know, say that I believe Texas has a brighter future than Missouri. You know, it certainly looks that way. But Missouri is a school uh, with a lot of money and a lot of in-state talent. So, you know, even if they don't go seven and one to start the season every year, right, they may, you know, take a step back. You know, typically programs like that, when they have really good years, it's hard to sustain it. I still think there'll be a team that could make some noise in the SEC moving forward. Like I said, they have a lot of money and a lot of good, really, a lot of really good talent um, in state. So that was a tough decision, right? Trying to decide uh, where you want to play football at. But ultimately, he chose Steve Sarkeesian and the University of Texas, even though both programs are really good right now, sitting at seven and one. And uh, Texas probably is more likely to sustain that one loss on their schedule. Missouri has Georgia. Florida, Arkansas, and another team coming up, right? So we'll see if they end the season with one loss. But through eight games, they've been really good, beating Kansas State, South Carolina. They haven't had the toughest schedule, but you got to beat who's in front of you, right? And this was a tough decision for Ryan Wingo because both teams offer competitive NIL, right? And we don't have to talk about it as if it's taboo because it's legal now, right? Both teams offered competitive, you know, um, NIL packages. And so you're looking at a school that's close to home, that's winning, that's offered you life-changing money. And you're looking at an explosive offense under Steve Sarkeesian and the University of Texas, a school that's winning and moving to the SEC that offered you, you know, life-changing money as well. And like I said, ultimately, uh, Texas won out in that regard. But according to Ryan Wingo's dad, right after his commitment, anything can happen between now and signing day. So this sounds like somewhat of a bidding war that'll go down literally until Ryan Wingo signs on the dotted line. I think the biggest deciding factor between Texas and Missouri, like I said, who are in identical spots right now, both being seven and one in the back half of their schedule, is Steve Sarkeesian and Arch Manning, right? When he was asked about why he committed to the 40 acres, he talked about, you know, wide receivers being able to make plays and be explosive in Steve Sarkeesian's offense, right? And maybe Devontae Smith winning, you know, the Heisman in 2020 is still winning recruiting battles for Steve Sarkeesian. That's kind of how college works. And then Arch Manning, right? When you have the chance to play with one of the highest graded quarterbacks ever, a uh, potentially historic quarterback, already historic because of his last name, but he could be historic if he lives up to that recruiting ranking at the University of Texas. And you have a chance to be one of the biggest reasons why one of his biggest targets literally and figuratively in this offense. I think you have to go with that over the uncertainty of who will be at the quarterback position at Missouri. So the biggest deciding factors in Ryan Wingo coming to the University of Texas, likely Steve Sarkeesian and Arch Manning. And that should be an explosive trio right, for years to come at the University of Texas. And I think the combination of Jonte Cook and Ryan Wingo has the potential to be very explosive, right? One of the best re receiver tandems in the country because you're looking at the two highest ranked receiver commits to Texas since the Mac Brown era in Jonte Cook and Ryan Wingo. Them with the combination of Steve Sarkeesian and Arch Manning and even more talent around them should be very explosive at the 40 acres. And what I like about Ryan Wingo, his size, I talked about it, 6'2", 215 already in high school. You know, they say you want to build your wide receiver room like a basketball team, right? We got our two little point guards, you know, our three and Ryan Niblett. Just talking about the future, DeAndre Moore and Jonte Cook, I would say they're all six foot at the most or smaller. But then you bring in that big power forward type build in Ryan Wingo at 6'2", 215. And like I said, he has the frame uh, to get even bigger. His speed at that size, right? When you watch him on tape, he's a track athlete. 
he runs by people. And I think that's a very dangerous combination to have in college football, but especially in Steve Sarkeesian's offense, right? A big body frame receiver that can be that security blanket uh, for the quarterback, but also has the speed to burn uh, people down the field, similar to Xavier Worthy. He's not that fast and that quick, but he certainly uh, can win foot races down the field, even at 6'2", 215. Physicality, right? <laughs> you know, you, it helps to be, you know, that big and be physical. He breaks a lot of tackles when you watch him on tape, just in the open field. It's hard to bring him down, and you're definitely not bringing him down uh, with the arm tackle. So he's one of the most explosive receivers in the country after the catch. And a lot of that is because he has track speed and he breaks uh, a ton of tackles. He has strong hands. You definitely don't see him, uh, you know, missing a lot of catches or dropping balls on tape. Uh, you know, and with his big physical frame, he's definitely the type to be a security blanket for a quarterback in the future. The ability to track the ball and make contested catches, right? Every, you know, route or catch is not going to be wide open, right? And you see him on tape definitely making those 50-50 catches, tracking the ball, going up and getting it, or those tough catches on the sideline, right? Being able to identify the ball and catch it before the defender can make a play on it. He's really good at that. And I would say that he's still developing as a route runner, but he shows fluidity, fluidity, right? In the top of his routes, um, separating, you know, he definitely has some moves and some wiggle um, that can keep defenders off balance and can create separation, um, and, and get open for his quarterback. So really love this move, bringing in Ryan Wingo, one of the most talented players in the country. Like I said, you now have Jonte Cook and Ryan Wingo, the top two uh, graded recruits at that position since the Mac Brown era, and they will be in the same offense with Steve Sarkeesian, Cedric Baxter, <laughs> and Arch Manning, which has the potential to be one of the most explosive ever at the 40 Acres. Can't wait to see it on the football field. A quick word from our sponsors, and we get into the five keys we need to execute tomorrow to beat BYU in Malik Murphy's first start. Today's episode of Locked On Longhorns is brought to you by Game Time. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. See the view from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. All in prices show your total upfront so you know you're getting a great deal without hidden fees. I use the Game Time app to go to the Texas Houston game last week. It's one of my favorite apps. It makes it so easy to buy tickets to sporting events. You need to download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On College for $20 off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem code locked on college for $20 off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed you know ticket prices are high they're egregious don't scoff at getting $20 off when all you have to do is sign up game time code locked on college $20 off your first purchase make sure you're at the sporting events you want to be at in the future All right, my latest top five list, I guess this isn't really a top five list, but a list of five, right? That's what we specialize here in uh, on the podcast on Locked on Longhorns. But seriously, the keys to beating BYU on Saturday. And I mentioned uh, some of these on my most recent crossover with Jake Hatch, the uh, host of Locked on Cougars. He does some of the best work on the Locked on Podcast Network. Uh, not sure if you'll ever have a reason to just go check out solely BYU coverage, but um, if you haven't had a chance to watch or listen to that crossover that we did, it's my most recent episode. Uh, please do that, especially if you get a chance to uh, before the game tomorrow. I think the keys to beating BYU tomorrow and Malik Murphy's first start is utilizing that three-headed monster at running back, right? Jonathan Brooks, Cedric Baxter, and then if it's Jaden Blue or Keelan Robinson, I think they're both explosive enough to make plays against this BYU defense, right? 
right? We know that, you know, Malik Murphy is a young quarterback in his first start. So the best way to take advantage of that is to have a really strong running game. And I don't even think it has to be just the running game because we saw last week against Houston, our receivers were utilized a lot in the passing game as well, right? I mean, our running backs were utilized a lot in the passing game with 11 catches between um, Cedric Baxter and Jonathan Brooks. Not saying that has to be the case this weekend, but that landed, you know, Cedric Baxter and Jonathan Brooks with 37 touches. And I think any defense is going to have trouble trying to tackle Jonathan Brooks and Cedric Baxter 37 times. And I think if you can include some touches with Jaden Blue or Keelan Robinson, you can have your running backs touch the ball, you know, maybe around that, you know, range 37 or even between 37 and 45, right? And then if you can keep Malik Murphy in that 18 to 25 passing, you know, attempt range, then you're still looking at, you know, putting up 60 to 70 plays on offense, which is about normal for the Texas football team. So I think the running backs need to carry us. Jonathan Brooks, Cedric Baxter, Jaden Blue. I think we need to win the game with our rushing offense and then, you know, passing to the running backs out of the backfield as well. Keep Malik Murphy in that 18 to 25 pass attempt range. Uh, let him pass the ball, but don't, you know, lean on him to win or make him do too much. And we can certainly win this game against BYU and Malik Murphy's first start. Their rush defense is 80th in the country, so we should be able to take advantage of that with our running game. But they have forced 14 turnovers in seven games, averaging two turnovers a game. So with the young quarterback, you know, he could make mistakes if you ask him to do too much. And that could certainly flip the script in this game. Lean on that offensive line. Lean on those talented running backs you have. Let them carry us to victory. And then with Steve Sarkeesian being one of the best play callers, if you have a dominant running game against BYU, then that should make your passing opportunities easier outside of that with the young quarterback in Malik Murphy. Two, I think the offensive line has to step up, right? You don't want a young quarterback having to make decisions or throw under pressure. So the offensive line needs to do a really good job of making sure, uh, you know, they're blocking up front, holding their blocks and giving Malik Murphy time to process the field, make the right read and make the proper throw, right? I think if he's under pressure, that could lead to some forced throws and, uh, you know, some bad incompletions or, you know, maybe some turnovers. And certainly I would think that this BYU defense will try to heat up a young quarterback as much as they can. So the offensive line definitely has to step up and make sure that Malik Murphy is not dealing under pressure too often in this game. And I think the receivers have to get separation, right? You know, you want to make sure that Malik Murphy doesn't have to throw into many, to too many tight windows. Like I said, you want to keep him in the 18 to 25 passing attempt range if you can. Um, and, you know, I think if the receivers are wide open or the receivers are getting separation, that'll bode really well for this offense, right? Give him some easy completions. We don't need him you know, throwing a bunch of 50-50 balls and threading tight windows in his first start against BYU. The receivers are definitely going to have to get separation and, you know, create easy throwing lanes and easy passes from Malik Murphy. Number three is don't let Keaton Slovis have his moment. You know, we've talked about how when teams play Texas, they all of a sudden put their best performance on tape. And it seems to be uh, really over the last 10 years, a lot with the quarterback position. And we've seen it the last two weeks, right? Donovan Smith, two years in a row, has been explosive against this Texas defense. Dylan Gabriel in the Red River shootout probably had his Heisman moment, right? <laughs> you know, against uh, or had a Heisman moment, I should say. I don't think he'll win it, but he had a Heisman moment against the University of Texas. Coming into this game through seven games, Keenan Slovis is completing 57% of his passes for the season, right? That's not great at all, but he does have some talent, right? He originally committed to USC, uh, then went on to Pittsburgh, and now he's at BYU, right? So he spent his whole career uh, as a starter or a damn near a starter in Power 5 football, and he certainly has the talent to, you know, maybe step in here and play lights out, right? So like I said, don't let Keenan Slovis have his moment. He's completing 57% of his passes thus far this season. Make him show that on tape, right? Turn him into a 57% completion percentage type of quarterback, right? Don't let him come in here in DKR on Saturday and have the game of his life or be the best player on the field. He's been 
for the most part, inconsistent and bad this season. And that needs to continue on Saturday. Our defense needs to make sure of that. Like I said, you want to make him look like Sawyer Robertson in that Baylor game or Jason Bean in that Kansas game rather than Dylan Gabriel in Oklahoma or Donovan Smith against U of H. Keenan Slovis has been bad this year. Don't make him look good on Saturday, right? You want to stop the run at all costs. You want to make BYU one-dimensional, right? Even though you allowed 378 passing yards against Houston, you held them to only 14 rushing yards, only 24 points, and you forced two turnovers, right? So I think, like I said, you know, I talked about Keaton Slovis. He has not been great this year. You want to make him beat you with his arm, right? You do not want to allow, uh, you know, this BYU football team to be balanced and have a really good running game and then, you know, be able to make opportunities, easier opportunities for Keaton Slovis outside of that. You want to stop the running game, make them one dimensional and make Keaton Slovis throw the ball 40 times. Make Keaton Slovis try to beat you based on what we've seen through seven games. He cannot do that against this Texas defense, completing 57 percent of his passes. And even if even if they're able to drive down the field like Donovan Smith was at U of H, this Texas team has been really good at shutting down drives in the red zone, right? So even if he can pass between the 20s, can he hit those tight windows? Can he make those precise, accurate throws within the 20 to score in the red zone, even if he got down there? And that's hard to do without a consistent running game is score touchdowns in the red zone if you can't run the ball with the inconsistent and shaky quarterback. So um, make them one-dimensional. You have to make Keaton Slovis beat you. And based on what we've seen through seven games, I don't think that Keaton Slovis can beat this Texas football team. And then – the last thing I want to talk about, and this is really a message directly to Pete Kukowski, even though he doesn't watch this podcast, right? Or maybe he does. I don't know. But we need to put our safeties in a position to succeed, right? We have seen really, you know, over the course of the season, but definitely in back-to-back weeks, our safeties being put in a position to fail. And they failed, right? Because they were put in that position against Oklahoma. You know, Jeff Levy and Dylan Gabriel kind of just played with them and had them in conflict all day, especially on that last drive. Um, you know, I say it all the time where they scored a touchdown in 71 seconds. The biggest reasons for that is because our safeties were all over the place and there was miscommunication. And then in this game against Houston, they somehow, right, continue to put our safeties in one-on-one coverage and just run crossing routes away from them, you know, across the field. And we have really good athletic safeties, but that's always going to be a tough cover for a safety covering a tight end and a wide receiver who's more athletic than you running away from you on the football field. So um, the last two weeks or the last two games, I should say the last three weeks, our safeties have been put in a position to fail and they have not been put in a position to succeed or they are not doing on the football field what they are great at, right? Whatever their best strength is, whatever their best skill is, that's the position we need to put them in. And it's obviously not covering wide receivers and tight ends in man coverage right now, right? And I'm not saying that's not a knock on them. I'm not saying they're bad or anything. That's just tough for college safeties to do, period. And we're asking them to do that too much. So whatever our safeties do at a high level, whatever they do best, that's what they need to be doing on Saturday. Whatever they've been doing the last two games, we need to stop doing that because that's putting us in disadvantages. Oh, I can't even say that word. That's putting us in bad positions on the back end, especially when we can't get a consistent pass rush. So if we can do all five of those things, Texas certainly should be in a really good position to win this game against BYU tomorrow in Malik Murphy's first start. The spread has gone back up to about 20 points. Not sure if they cover, but this Texas football team should be BYU even without their starting quarterback and signal caller and Quinn Ewers. This episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had. Winning up to 25 times my money this football season, you just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. I just tripled my money last night, betting on the over on Damian Lillard and LeBron's points. I would never lie to you. Just trust me on that. I definitely did hit for triple my money on prize picks last night, and you certainly 
can do the same. Prize picks is really simple to play. I can make my picks and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. I can confirm that as well. After I won my parlay last night, I woke up to see I won it because I fell asleep during the game. And then I deposited the money in my account. It was within my it was in my account within two hours of me submitting that withdrawal request. So definitely um, easy withdrawals. And now you can deposit money using Apple Pay, right? So it's quick and easy to get money into your account and start making money watching football, baseball, basketball, or whatever sport you're betting on on prize picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match of up to one hundred dollars. Once again, go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match of up to one hundred dollars. Texas fans, you want to look at that Malik Murphy line, right? Vegas has nothing to base his passing yards off of because he hasn't played much this season. It could be an opportunity to steal one from Vegas if his passing yardage is too low. You feel like he'll hit it higher. Go ahead and put that bet down on prize picks, all right? Using code Locked On College for a first deposit match of up to one hundred dollars. All right, we are less than two weeks away from seeing Rodney Terry and his squad take the court, and I think they have some really interesting games on their schedule this year. You know, this is a team that went to the Elite Eight last year. The administration at CDC seemed like they're really invested in this basketball team in terms of NIL, Rodney Terry facilities. We just opened the Moody Center and, you know, helping, you know, this team in this program put the best players um, and the best team on the court, right? And they certainly did a good job of that last year. Rodney Terry went on the Cinderella run with this team, uh, winning the Big 12 Tournament Championship and then taking them to the Elite Eight. And so now it's time to build on that, right? Ronnie Terry certainly has the support of the administration, and um, he earned the job last year, right? And now it's, you know, time to continue to validate that decision of making him the full-time head coach of the Texas basketball program. Coming into the season, I think you have a lot of talented players, but you have a big four of Tyrese Hunter, uh, Max Amos, you know, Dylan Dessou, Caden Shedrick, really a big five of uh, Dylan Mitchell, how could I forget, of players that, you know, should be able to carry you very far, all players with some really good college basketball experience and some, you know, players who have played at the highest level in the NCAA tournament thus far. When you look at the Texas basketball schedule, there's some really marquee matchups or some interesting matchups that will really get to see who this Texas basketball team is before they get to postseason play, whether that be the conference tournament or the NCAA tournament. And like I said, the season starts two Mondays from now, but on Monday they have a scrimmage. I'm not sure if we'll get any footage from it. But they have an exhibition game against St. Edwards in the Austin. I was going to say in the Austin area. It's literally in Austin. Uh, Rodney Terry's alma mater. So I think that's really cool for Texas and Rodney Terry to get to play against St. Edwards. And I think that's really cool for the St. Edwards program to have an exhibition against a good program like the University of Texas. Their first real test of the season is going to be on November 19th. They'll be in New York and they'll play Louisville. Louisville, a program that has won a national championship in the last 10 years. They always have really good basketball players. That'll be the first real and a good test for the Texas basketball team. And then the next day, still in New York, they'll either play UConn, the defending national champions, or Indiana, a program that's always really good and has really good basketball players as well. So November 19th, November 20th on a neutral site in New York. Uh, we'll see how good this basketball team is earlier in the season. December 6th, you have the Big 12 Big East Challenge. We will be at Marquette, you know, playing um, in Shaka's house, right? We'll be playing against Shaka Smart on his home court. So that'd be a really good matchup. Marquette was a really good team last year. I think they were either a two or a three seed. So they were ranked really high. Didn't go far in the tournament, of course. But, uh, you know, definitely uh, that'll be a good matchup and a good test for Texas early in the season before they get into conference play. Then December 16th in Houston for LSU. They'll be playing in the Toyota Center. For those who aren't familiar, that's where the Rockets play. Um, so that'll be a really good chance to play a good opponent in LSU in front of a good crowd. Hopefully it's a lot of Texas 
Texas fans there. I'm urging you to go if you're in the Houston area December 16th to see Texas play basketball against LSU. I definitely will be in the building. Then we start in 2024 on January 6th conference play. And your first conference game at home is against Texas Tech. Now, I think that rivalry has lost a little bit of juice since Chris Beard has moved on to Ole Miss. But, you know, Texas still hates Texas Tech and Texas Tech still hates Texas. So that's definitely going to be a very exciting game in the Moody Center at home against Texas Tech should be sold out, should be rocking. January 20th, home against Baylor. Baylor has always been one of the best teams in the conference, usually is the class of the conference right next to Kansas. So that's going to be a good test in the Moody Center. Fans should show up and show out for that one. January 29th versus Houston, right? Houston has been a team that has made it to the Final Four in recent years. I think they're coming off of a year where they were the one seed, and I expect them to continue to be excellent at basketball um, at the University of Houston. So that's going to be a good test at home and a good opportunity for the fans to come out and see a good game. And then you have three road games within nine days, which is going to be a really tough stretch for this basketball team at Kansas on February 24th, at Texas Tech on February 27th, and then at Baylor on March 4th. So those games could definitely determine seeding in the Big 12 tournament. Um, they could determine seeding in the NCAA tournament, and they can definitely determine who comes out on top uh, in the conference in the Big 12, which is loaded this year with teams like Texas, Kansas, Baylor, TCU, Houston. It's going to be a dogfight, but Texas certainly um, has the staff led by Rodney Terry, and they have the players uh, led by Dylan DeSue, Dylan Mitchell, and Max Amos to make a run. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Locked On Longhorns Park of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm talking to my Texas fans, and I'm talking to my Texas fans when I say this. Go Rangers. Go Longhorns. Malik Murphy, go show out in your first start against BYU. Hook them. Peace.